Welcome to Go Into All the World. Now here's your host, Gary Griffinhagen. Well, God bless you all, and I thank you for joining me today. Uh, I'm going to go to Romans 5, but before I do, I want to review a couple things from the past programs. You know, two programs ago, we talked about angels, angels all around us, and we mentioned that we saw in Acts 8, where an angel talked to Philip, the angel gave him specific instructions. Remember, the angel said, first of all, go south down the road to Gaza. Then, as Philip was going, the spirit, okay, said to him, go near and join thyself to the chariot. So the Holy Spirit and angels a lot of times are here to give us direction, inspiration, and help us. And I mentioned that just as it's important to know that the Holy Spirit is with us, and by the way, the Bible says the Holy Spirit, I John 16, 17, says he will never leave us, okay? So he's always going to be with us. And that to me is a confirmation that A or A, we're always saved because he's always with us. But again, he's there to lead and guide. And the other thing I want to talk about with I say angels today is that they're there to intervene and help us too. And in my mind, uh, brothers and sisters that are listening, or anybody that's a believer that's listening, and if you're not, we encourage you to become one. But I want to encourage you, study about angels and study about the Holy Spirit. We, we need help to walk this life out. And especially if we want to press into God. A lot of people don't press into God, believers, and don't really press into Him. And they don't seem to, if you want to call it, have much issues in life or have many issues. But they also don't seem to bear much fruit. And I know if you really want to press into God and bear fruit, a lot of times the devil's going to come against you. And sometimes it's just life in general comes against you. So the more help that we can have, the more help they're aware of, okay, it makes that life, or so to speak, bearing fruit makes it a little bit easier. Well, a couple of testimonies, okay, that happened in my life, all right, that involved angels. One of them's fairly recent, and if you've been listening to the program, you might remember this one. Um, I went to a Maverick convenience store. I grabbed a drink, and there was two lines. I went to the one that was nearest to this, so to speak, drink uh, soda fountain area. Suddenly, an angel, as far as I understand, I don't, I'm not sure of the Holy Spirit, but I felt like it was an angel, said, switch lines. Well, between you and me, I've never, it was almost like you kind of yelled it or said it really loud. And I've never really had many direct audible commands. Well, I, I realized, I think that's God. I think it's an angel, so I switched lines. And so as I went over, the clerk, first of all, looked at me, and she gave me her discount, so my drink cost 53 cents, which, that's a blessing, okay? I wasn't necessarily expecting it, probably saved me a dollar or whatever. But as I switched lines, part of me is like, I assume that God wants me to switch lines, not for a 53-cent drink, but to do something. So I made some small talk, and then I asked her about the podcast and where she went to church. And if you remember, here's what she said. She said, I'm LDS, and my boyfriend is Christian, and I believe it was her fiancé. Anyways, we usually go to our respective churches, but the last two Sundays, I've gone to his church, and I like it. So inside of me, I thought, you know what? I actually know that church. I mean, it's a good church. I, I haven't been there, but I know about it and stuff. And so I told her, listen, that's a good church. I'm going to encourage you to keep going there. And I said, here's some scriptures that might kind of help you understand the difference between LDS and Christian doctrine. So again, was there a reason for me to switch line? Yeah, a very godly one. Did I think about it? No, I just felt an angel said, switch lines. All right, the second testimony and if you've heard the program, it's it, probably a couple months ago I mentioned this. This testimony involves a tennis court. Well, think about it. How many times do you think of an angel being on a tennis court or something like that? And we usually think 
godly type things, they only happen in a meeting, maybe a church, a Bible study, you know, maybe some fellowship. Well, this is how an angel intervened on our, at our, it was actually a tennis practice that I was having. I coached various teams, and I had a boys and girls teams in California. This happened to be the girls team. We were out one day practicing serves. So the players were kind of spread around, okay, practicing serving, you hit from the kind of the back line and stuff like that. And they were on separate halves of the court. So there was maybe two, two girls to each court, kind of spread over, you know, six or seven courts. And then this one player, this one player was having trouble getting the ball in the right box. She had her arms up and she was going through a swing, so I would kind of watch that. And to me, everything appeared pretty much in order. And she did it again, and I thought, you know, I don't see anything wrong. And I thought, well, I'll just watch her one more time. So I kind of got close, and I'm kind of watching her arms. And if you understand, you're tossing a ball on a serve, and you're kind of reaching up towards the sky or pointing your racket towards the sky and swinging through it, and then you snap your wrist to bring it in, okay? So as I'm kind of looking up for her to do her swing, suddenly my head gets forced down. And it was not like I, like, so to speak, moved my head. It was also like my head was just like, yeah, somebody just like pushed your head down. Well, as I looked down, I realized her feet were aimed wrong. And I thought, well, that's why her serve's not going in. Well, I, I didn't really understand. I mean, I saw that and I didn't think anything about my head, but the players saw the whole thing, okay? She goes like this. She goes, you did not move your head down at all. Something forced your head down. You weren't looking at my feet. Something forced your head down. You looked at my feet and you saw the problem. An angel pushed your head down. And the team that I had had a few, three or four Christians on it. They know I was a very fervent Christian, so they're kind of aware of the Christian type things. She ran around basically to every player and said, an angel pushed his head down. An angel made him look at my feet. An angel did this. And she kept telling the players that. And again, I knew she was right. I had no idea to look down. I wasn't thinking about it. And it just happened, okay? But the good thing was it brings glory to God because those girls, some of them, again, are believers. They can think about angels. Oh, God, God, an angel showed up and helped our tennis coach or an angel helped one of the players on the court. And the people that weren't Christian, again, that's a great testimony to them that God intervened on a tennis court. And again, a lot of times... We think everything has to be some kind of a spectacular kind of, I will call it Biggie, Billy Graham type thing. And I'm trying to encourage you for these last few programs, it doesn't have to be that way. God wants to meet you right where you're at, and he's going to come in. And both of these, by the way, these stories are kind of the same thing we've been going on. We start off, or if you want to call it, we're going, we're walking our life out in what I call a non-spiritual thing. I went to a Maverick store to get a drink. I'm coaching tennis just like normal, but then God intervenes or God has something to do. So again, as you go your way, try to be aware of the Holy Spirit. Try to be sensitive to God and say in the morning, God, I want you to use me. I want you to maybe help or intervene in my life or help in somebody's life. And then become, if you want to call it, begin to expect it. Okay. Okay. Last thing I talked a little bit, last program, we talked with Garrett Larson. Remember he served in Ukraine and Started off in Romania, was going to Ukraine every day for two months. Let's, let's, let's quickly go through a couple takeaways. First, when the Lord spoke to Garrett, he had to consider questions. Hey, he had just started a newer job. He, what about leaving his wife? He had a home church, da-da-da-da-da. 
But as he prayed and talked to God, God comforted him. And that means he had peace. He had peace that it's okay, the job will work out, your wife will be fine, the home church will be fine. Next thing, and we didn't talk about this in the radio program, Garrett had to raise funds. And he told me, Gary, you know, I'm not real comfortable with raising funds or asking people for money. But as I kind of prayed about it, he just felt a peace that I had to get over my shyness. I had to not be uncomfortable. And again, God strengthened him so he could go to people and ask them for money. And of course, if you remember the story, now he's moving to Romania and he asks people for more money to help him and his wife get over there and start this pastor church over there. The next step, remember, a guy came to him and said, listen, I got to take people to a very dangerous spot, a medium dangerous and kind of a light spot. Who wants to go where? And Garrett volunteered to go to the very dangerous spot. Well, he went there, he had a flat tire. And as he was kind of, so to speak, fixing the tire and unloading the food, he realized the bombs were very, very close. He said, you could actually discern again, if you want to call it that, the smell of the bombs, the, the, how, how they were dropping. And he knew he was very close to the bombs. But he also said, you know what? I had great peace. I had great peace. And again, we know the Bible says God does not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And I can quote that, but when I get in a situation like Garrett does, I want to be able to remember that, and I want to bring it up there and kind of rely on that, that God will give me peace, even just like Garrett, when the bombs are dropping all around. The other thing Garrett said was, I thought was kind of good. He said, you know, Gary, we were over there. A bunch of us were from different denominations, but we worked all together. Nobody talked about their denominations. Nobody said, well, I'm not going to work with you because you're this. No, we were there for Jesus Christ, and we were there serving together. And again, the Bible says that we're all one body. Who's ever born again is part of just one body, no matter where they go to church or what denomination or background they're from. And he was kind of cool. And the last thing I mentioned to me as I listened to his story and he said yeah we got some specialized baby formula I almost brought tears to my eyes listener here here's here we are in the middle of a, a war we're in a kind of a crazy situation these people drive in drop off their food and just get out of there they don't really have time to even talk hardly to people and I thought here's how big is our God that he can get specialized baby formula into a war zone all right not just food, not just regular stuff, but something specialized. And there were some babies that had that need. So I encourage you to think about that and think about how big God is, that he can do something like that in the midst of a war. Okay, well, let's go back to Romans 5. I kind of did verses 15 and 16. And I'll start back in 17. I'd gotten about halfway through, and I'll kind of go back over. So this is Romans 5:17. Here's what it says. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through this one man, Jesus Christ. And again, I was talking about death reigned, but then Jesus Christ, okay, conquered death, all right? And it says we can reign. And I started talking about how do we reign in this life? And to me, Garrett's actions and his actions in Romania, his actions, okay, in Ukraine were example of that. We, he was in a war zone, and yet he was raining. He was dropping his food off. He even had a flat tire. They got the tire fixed. He dropped the food off, and he got out of there, okay? And remember, he was raining because he didn't have fear. He had peace. And I want to use, I want to use fear as an example. 
Again, if we see we have fear, well, if we're if we're kind of walking in fear, or we kind of got, if you want to call it overcome by fear, or constantly battered by fear, well, to me that means we're not reigning in life, right? And it's not a condemnation. It's like, you know what? The Bible says Jesus gave us authority, so I want to try to walk in that authority, and I want to resist and I want to rebuke. Again, I want to resist and I want to rebuke fear. Because the Bible said that God, and this is 2 Timothy 1.7, God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. And again, I'll go back quickly to Garrett. Here he was, bombs all around, getting very close, all right, flat tire, but he had self-control and he had power in the sense that he didn't have fear, all right? And you can, you can substitute, all right? I don't want to have fear in my nature anymore. And if it comes against me again, I want to resist it. I can't wake up in the morning and say, I'm not going to have fear. Maybe there's something that's going to come against me. Maybe some bill's not going to get paid or, or something's not going to happen. Or my friend got in an accident. I don't want to have fear come against me because then I'm not reigning in life. So again, when I mention this, don't think it's just fear. You could substitute addiction. You could substitute bondage. You could substitute worry, okay? Now, Bible says that we've been redeemed, okay, from the power. We've been redeemed from the hold, the affection, the attraction that sin once had. Remember, it says we are dead to sin. That means our new nature is dead to sin. It doesn't mean that we're not going to sin, okay? Obviously, we still sin, but we're dead to it, and it's not supposed to have a hold on us. Okay? I shared many stories, okay, or many testimonies how people were in the midst of doing drugs, they were in the midst of watching porn, and they kept saying, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. And one day they believed that, they looked at the drugs, they looked at the porn and said, I don't need that. I'm, that's not my person. My new person has a new nature, and I don't need that stuff. And they just walked away. Well, how many times you hear people that are addicted to drugs or addicted to porn just get up and walk away? That's pretty unusual. But again, it shows that we can reign in life. Now, how do we reign? First of all, we want to renew our mind, okay, to what the Word says, all right? If the Word says that God does not give me a spirit of fear, then I don't have to live in it. I don't have to walk in it. Does it take some time? Yeah, it does take some time. You may not conquer fear tomorrow. You may not conquer worry. And by the way, we talk about fear, but the Bible mentions things like worry, okay? Why well, don't, it's okay to worry. No, it's not okay to worry, it's sin, all right? Um, I'm a little concerned. Well, concern could be worry. Maybe there's a healthy concern, but a lot of times that could be worry too. So again, we wanna resist those things and realize they don't have to have a hold on us anymore because the nature that we used to have that would, quote, make us sin or force us to sin or hold us in, it's not there anymore. So just like Garrett, if he's quoting that scripture or thinking, I'm going to this war zone, but the Spirit of God said, I don't have a spirit of fear. I'm going to walk in power, love, and self-control. So he's renewed his mind to the Word, and that helps him. And by the way, you can... You can constantly do that, and a lot of times, if you're sensitive to the Holy Spirit, He's going to begin to speak to you about that and say, Hey, hey, you're starting to worry, Gary. Hey, Gary, you're starting to get a little fear in your life. Hey, Gary, you didn't show too much love to that waitress or that person or that company. Let's, let's kind of review some scriptures, and you can begin to walk in more love or less fear. And a lot of times I hear people say, Well, you know, what, what, if, what if I, per se, what if I per se can't do that? And to me, a better thought, especially for believers, is say this. What if I continue to renew my mind 
follow what the Word says and what the Holy Spirit prompts, guess what? I will sin less and less. I will have less and less fear. I will have less and less worry because I've learned how, like it says, to cast my cares upon Him. So again, rather than think you can't do it, begin to realize you can, because this scripture says we can reign in life, all right? And there's other scriptures that talk about the same thing. And start to learn to, I'm going to renew my mind. I want to reign, sorry, I want to renew my mind, and I want to reign in this life. Um, On the flip side of that, if you believe in the gifts, another area you can look at is, well, I'm not sure God could use me to lay hands on somebody or pray for somebody or whatever. Well, if you begin to renew your mind to that, you can say, hey, God can use me to lay hands on the sick. God can use me to maybe give a word to somebody. And for all of us, we're talking about going into all the world. Well, God can lead me to give a person, if you want to call it the word of God. He can lead me to plant a seed or water a seed. And again, this is kind of simple. But again, a lot of us, we don't want to you want to call we don't want to go into the world or we're not called to go in the world or i'm too shy or whatever the deal is and god says i want you to get over that because i've called you to go into the world and i'm going to help you to get over that okay i think i told you many times when i started out i was kind of shy i was not, not maybe not an introvert but i was not that if you want to call oh billy graham or i just walk up to people and share and i didn't know those things at all but as the more that i walked in them is I began to reign in them. And the more that I walked in them, I kind of liked it. And the more when people would challenge me and kind of quote scriptures and what about this and that, and I didn't know the answer, guess what? The more that I went home and studied the Bible, suddenly I had confidence in these areas. I was like getting, oh, victory. And then I could come back and I could share with them. And between you and me, that gave me a lot more confidence and made me feel a lot more comfortable. Well, let's go to Romans 5, 18 and 19. I'll read the scripture and we'll kind of go through or make some comments. So Romans 5, 18 and 19, here's what it says. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience so many will be made righteous. Okay? These verses kind of restate some things from the previous verses in, in, in five and a couple of verses between chapters one through four. But again, here's what it said. One trespass led to condemnation for all men. We know that was Adam's trespass. One act of disobedience made many people sinners. On the other hand, one, ad, one man's obedience made many righteous. These scriptures to me refute the actions of a man, a group, a religious denomination or sect or whatever to stop sinning, okay? They want to stop sinning so they can obtain or move back into righteousness or maintain salvation or maintain sanctification or I've gotten out, I'm going to... Again, if you think about it, if one man or one group or one religion, if they were to stop sinning, let's say to stop sinning tomorrow, for instance, like that, their actions are not changing their nature. So if they're not born again, okay, all these actions of stop sinning are not going to change their nature. And the Bible says if they are born again, first of all, we know that basically they're not going to stop sinning. That's, it's good to make it obviously. You don't want to continue in it. But again, they're going to start to say, well, I'm going to, I'm going to stop sinning. Jesus made me righteous, but to be sanctified or to walk with him, I'm going to have to stop sinning. Well, guess what? 
these scriptures tell you that doesn't make any sense either, okay? It said, by one man's act, many are led to justification. Were they justified by stop sinning? No, they were justified, all of us are justified by what Jesus Christ did, okay? So again, we're made righteous, we're saved, justified, and really we're sanctified. It's a little bit of a story, but we were sanctified by what he did. And one commentary or one person's comment said, you know, if you understood Romans 5, you would never ever, you would never ever think or consider any type of self-righteousness, all right? And why is it good for us to, to know this? Because we're gonna, as we go into all the world, we're gonna see people, maybe sometimes believers, we're gonna see a lot of unbelievers and people from different groups or cults or denominations or whatever, they think they have to keep laws. They think they have to, so to speak, be right, stay this, do this, not sin, da-da-da-da-da, not sin too much, oh, repent everything. And we can show them, look, Christ did it all. You were saved, you were justified and sanctified by what he did. Do we want to continue in sin? Obviously not. Do we want to do dumb things? Of course. Remember, we said that opens the door to the devil. So we don't want to do that. But when they focus on, I've got to kind of kind of keep the laws and, and not sin and do all this other stuff, we're, we're trying to show them, no, you got to focus on Christ. And just like those people that were caught up in porn and drugs, if you focus on Christ, he's going to give you the strength to walk away from the porn and walk away from the drugs, because that's not who you are. That's who you were, but that's not who you are now. Okay, Romans 5.20, I think it's an exciting verse. It says, Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So Paul basically explains, why did the law come? To me, this is a point that every believer should understand because it helps you to talk with unbelievers or people that are kind of caught up in maybe a cult or a denomination that's a little bit off. The law came not for us to keep, but to show us a standard that we could not keep, to set the bar so high, hey man, we can't do that. God's going, that's true, you can't. Why don't you call upon me? Why don't you accept what Christ did? There's a set of rules, there's a set of standards. We could try and say, man, I might break this rule. I might have sinned a hundred times over, a thousand times over. Anyways, we're not gonna keep those rules and that's why the law came to show us we couldn't do that, okay? And if you remember, if you think keeping the law is a good thing, remember what the Bible says in many places. It says, if you break the law in any one little thing, you break the law one time in one little area, it's as you've broken it 100%. One little, if you want to call it mistake, makes you guilty forever, all right? And that's scriptural. That's not Gary talking. That's not Russ, you know, the station manager talking. It's what the Bible says. So we can't just keep the law, okay, and think, oh, I'm going to do it. No, you're not going to do it. And if you break it one time, you're, if you want to say bound for hell, if you would. And that's, again, we're not going to get in the whole discussion there, but the idea is you can't keep the law. And if you break it one little time, it's like you've broken 100%. Now, when he wrote Romans, remember Paul was writing to the church at Rome because they had a lot of Jewish Christians who at the time thought that, hey, Christ is not enough for justification. Remember, they, had to, they thought they had to keep or maintain some minimum standard of holiness. You had to be circumcised, da-da-da-da-da. So Paul was trying to clarify why the law was given to give them an understanding. 
And again, here's what he said. The purpose of the law was not to strengthen us in our battle against sin, but to strengthen sin in its battle against us. Sin had already beaten us, and we just didn't know it. All right, the law, brought that, the law brought that realization to us so we should quit sinning and quit trusting in ourselves and call out unto God for salvation. Well, listen, I know we're about out of time today. And I want you to consider these last couple verses. And I, actually, I would encourage you to go back and read Romans 5. Again, as that one commentator said, if we understood Romans 5, we would never ever want to trust in ourselves. We would never ever look for any kind of self-justification. And we can explain these to people, and again, in cults or denominations or groups that are trying to do that. Listen, God bless you today. I'll finish off with Romans 5.21 next week. And hope you can join me as we go into all the world. Again, my email is ptl underscore Hagen. That's ptl underscore Hagen, H-A-G-E-N, at yahoo.com if you want to send me your testimonies or have some questions or something to add. Have a great week. We'll see you next week as we go into all the world.